the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you who true heartily repent of your sins, believe on Jesus Christ, and sincerely and earnestly purpose by the assistance of God the Holy Ghost henceforth to amend your sinful lives. And in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our intro for this morning can be found on page 72 of the hymnal supplement, which we will read responsibly. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. For he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. World without end. God, world without end. Amen. 
seated. Our epistle lesson for this morning is taken from the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, reading there verses 1 through 14. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you, as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This is the word of our Lord. lesson for today is taken from the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. 
When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. This is the word of our Lord. join together and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 17. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being in one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us in the conscious fire. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again in glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and the giver of life, who proceeded from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated.
text for this morning is taken from the first part of our gospel lesson for today, uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 23. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others, testing him, sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. This is the word of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Christian friends, Sometimes, I wonder how much we pay attention to the settings that Scripture gives us for the words and acts of Jesus. By which, of course, I mean that I wonder if I properly pay attention to the ways that Scripture describes the settings for the words and actions of Jesus sometimes. We have many, many incidents of Jesus performing miracles and the crowds misunderstanding or attributing some sort of evil motive to Jesus for doing so. As we see the actions of the crowd, we may be tempted to pride, see how foolish the Jews of that time were. Surely we would have acted or reacted differently. And yet deep down, we know that like those crowds, we are afflicted with the old Adam and the world and the devil would very much like for us to think that we are better than they were and that we know more and not to bow our heads in humility and learn what it is that Jesus has to teach us. Demon possession was a serious problem in the New Testament. And to be very clear, we believe that these were literally demons, servants of Satan, who really possessed people at that time and place. The man in our text was rendered mute by the demon who had possessed him. In other cases of possession, the possessed could prove dangerous to themselves and to others. Uh, this is strongly implied in the case of the gathering demons or the exorcism of legion since the possessed man, uh, St. Matthew tells us, was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And even then, he broke free and ran into the wilderness before Jesus drove legion out of him and into the herd of pigs. In this case, we do not have any indication that anything especially dramatic attended this exorcism beyond the mute man speaking. This is remarkable in and of itself. But more remarkable is the crowd's response. People pray for miracles all the time, it seems. There are towns in Europe whose whole economy is based on people coming to those towns to pray for a miracle from God, to heal them, some kind of affliction or another. These people were eyewitnesses to a miracle. It is clear that they understood that this was a miracle because they marveled. Clearly, something miraculous had happened there. And in fact, this seems to be one of those kinds of miracles that people commonly hoped and prayed for and expected to be used as proof of divine authority, or at least proof of divine approval. 
And it is clear from this passage that besides Jesus, there were others who were not affiliated with Jesus and his disciples who were casting out demons as well. Jesus also had given his disciples the authority to cast out demons earlier in the Gospel of Luke when he sent out the twelve. But the crowds see this clearly miraculous thing, and some of them, at least, are thinking something that seems basically unthinkable, that Jesus is casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. It is a great and shocking leap. Einstein once reportedly said that the difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has limits. And so it seems there is also no limit to how far the human mind without the Holy Spirit's enlightenment can and will sink to deny even what we can see and what we can hear. And so Jesus proceeds to use ordinary human logic and demonstrates very clearly just how ridiculous the idea that he was performing exorcisms with the power of Beelzebub really was. There are three kinds of power, it seems. Human power, the power of God, and the power of Beelzebub, or Satan. Human power is clearly not enough to resist or cast out demons on its own, or else exorcism would not be regarded as a miracle. Clearly, God has power to cast out demons, and at least theoretically, so would Beelzebub as the ruler of demons. But why would he? Jesus' argument here has two main prongs. First, it makes no sense for Satan to be at war with his own forces. Even in human terms, civil war and conflict within a house is incredibly destructive. We recognize that a divided kingdom cannot stand, and similarly, a divided house will fall. So sure, Satan can cast out demons, but why would he? The second prong of the argument is in some ways more interesting. There were others seemingly related to the Pharisees who were casting out demons. It is reasonable to assume that Jesus was using the same power as they were to cast out demons, since the effect was the same. And the same arguments hold for them as they do for Jesus. So they must be using the same power as Jesus was using. And these naysayers in the crowds were not criticizing these others. Now, since it makes no sense for Satan to cast out Satan's minions, the only reasonable conclusion is that these others were using the finger of God as we know that Jesus was. And these men too would judge the crowds for their disbelief in what they saw, in which they could only conclude was that Jesus was casting out demons by the finger of God, and that the kingdom of God had indeed come upon them, as they should have been praying for and expecting. In human terms, we bet on the strong to win fights. We generally do not pick fights. We know we cannot win. So a strong man in his house with armor and protection is safe, until and unless someone who is stronger comes along. And the way of the world is that the stronger man will overpower the weaker one and take what he wants. So who has the power? in this scenario. Clearly, we know that God does have power. This combination of a miracle, of the clear example of human wisdom, and this clear discussion of the importance of power reminds me of something that Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached 
to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Jesus did not take on our flesh, be born in time of a woman under the law, to cast demons out of people. He certainly did do that, but we have to remember that he did so not for its own sake, but to demonstrate who and what he really was and who he really is. And that is what makes the crowd's response so maddening. They thought they were being clever. They sought a further sign from heaven, as if casting out a literal demon was not sign enough. And Jesus proved pretty conclusively that it was, in fact, a sign from heaven. Of course, that is how we see it. Just as Paul said, this message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But are we not sometimes ashamed of it, this message of the cross? Do we recoil slightly at the idea of demon possession? Do we seek the approval of the world, the acknowledgement that we have some great wisdom? Do we test God by demanding a miracle from him to demonstrate his will for us, as if he had not already told us everything we really need to know, even if it's not everything we might want to know? The devil, the world, and our flesh will all conspire to pull us away from the cross, to make us doubt and to stoke our fears and insecurities. We see the apparent weakness and insignificance of ourselves and the church in this world. We see people who profess to be Christian caught in horrible and abusive sins. We see the world laugh at this and mock us because of this. It's even a sort of meme, where is your God now? And we may be tempted to waver and to lose heart. And yet, we preach Christ crucified. What does that mean? Christ crucified is the miracle beyond miracles that the very Son of God himself took on human flesh, lived a life that we could not live, and died the death that we cannot die, that then took up that life again, and now lives forever at the right hand of God the Father. All this he did to do the most important thing that we cannot do for ourselves, to pay our debt towards God for our manifest sin against him, for our lack of trust in his power, our lack of prioritizing him properly, for our violation of his law, against our friends, our family, and our neighbors. The cross means that he was willing to suffer even to the point of a miserable death as a common criminal, cut off from God's love, bearing all the just wrath of God in order to offer himself as the one all-sufficient sacrifice for every sin that had ever been committed and ever would be committed. This is the power of God. This is the wisdom of God. It is not that we deserved it, but we definitely needed it, even if we did not realize or think that we did. And in fact, we seem to fight his power and wisdom every step of our way. But because God's foolishness is wiser than men, and because God's weakness is stronger than men, and because his love is so great, he continues to call us in his mercy. He calls us to cast aside our desire to satisfy him with our own works, and to trust instead in his infinite mercy that he has revealed in his son on the cross. He reveals himself as the God of mercy and the God of forgiveness, expressed in the clearest possible way through the sacrifice of his son on the cross. He promises to be with us, to care for us, 
and to love us. He knows that our walk on this earth is not easy. He himself was mocked and beaten, scorned, and even put to death by the world. But in the end, we trust in his power and wisdom, for we know that he will come again on the last day to take all of us, his saints, to be with him forever in blessedness. After that day, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain, no more grief, no more loss, no more strife. On that day, Satan and all his demons will suffer their final defeat, and we will no longer have to worry about or fear them. We will be finally free from the shackles of this world and even from our own sinful flesh. Yes, the Lord of creation has promised us, promised this to us personally. He has sealed it to each of us, individually and personally, in our baptisms, and repeatedly whenever we eat the Lord's Supper, which he has given us because he knows that we need the reminders. Through these, the Holy Spirit comes to us and brings the forgiveness of sins and strengthens and preserves our faith in him building it up in fulfillment of his promises of mercy and forgiveness. And that, dear Christian friends, is real power for which we can never thank him enough. And so we will close with the last two verses of the epistle of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Please stand.
Please stand. We will pray together the general prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank thee for all thy goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of thy dear Son, and for the revelation of thy will and grace. And we beseech thee so to implant thy word in us, that in good and honest hearts we may keep it, and bring forth fruit by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech thee so to rule and govern thy church, universal, with all its pastors and ministers, that it may be preserved in the pure doctrine of thy saving word, whereby faith toward thee may be strengthened, and charity increased in us toward all mankind. Grant also health and prosperity to all in authority, especially to the President and Congress of the United States, the Governor and Legislature of this Commonwealth, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after thy good pleasure to the maintenance of righteousness and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please thee also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for thy name and for thy truth's sake. Comfort, O God, with thy Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of thy fatherly will. And although we have deserved thy righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat thee, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth, nor our many transgressions, but out of thine unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, Defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of thy mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show thyself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause also the needful fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations, to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with thy blessings. These and whatsoever other things thou wouldst have us ask of thee, O God, vouchsafe unto us for the sake of the bitter sufferings and death of Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord and Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, Ever one God, world without end. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We will continue with the next hymn.
for as much as we purpose to come to the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, it becometh us to diligently examine ourselves as St. Paul exhorteth us. For this holy sacrament hath been instituted for the special comfort and strengthening of those who humbly confess their sins and who hunger and thirst after righteousness. But if we thus examine ourselves, we shall find nothing in us but only sin and death, from which we can in no wise set ourselves free. Therefore, our Lord Jesus Christ hath had mercy upon us and hath taken upon himself our nature, so that he might fulfill for us the whole will and law of God, and for us and for our deliverance suffer death and all that we by our sins have deserved. And to the end that we should the more confidently believe this and be strengthened by our faith in a cheerful obedience to his holy will, he hath instituted the holy sacrament of his supper, in which he eateth us with his body, and giveth us to drink of his blood. Therefore, whoso eateth of this bread, and drinketh of this cup, firmly believing the words of Christ, dwelleth in Christ, and Christ in him, and hath eternal life. We should also do this in remembrance of him, showing his death, that he was delivered for our offenses, and raised again for our justification, and rendering unto him most hearty thanks for the same, take up our cross and follow him, and according to his commandment, love one another, even as he hath loved us. For we are all one bread and one body, even as we are all partakers of this one bread, and drink of this one cup. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee, and saying, Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
take also and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Poured out for you for the full and free forgiveness of all of your sins. Now I ask you please to stand. May this, the true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you in the one true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Please stand. We'll continue with the note to Midas.
unto the Lord, for he is good. Strengthen us through the same, in faith toward thee, and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.
Greetings to everyone this morning. Uh, the announcements are, uh, doesn't look like there are, there are any surprises here. Uh, we'll have our midweek Bible study uh, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, via Jitsi Meet. Uh, we're continuing there the study of the book of Hosea. Uh, Pastor, are there any other announcements? Yes, Ken. Well, nice to meet you, Joel. Uh, it's great to have you with us. Uh, thank you for coming, and uh, we hope to see you again. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, God's richest blessings on, on today and uh, every day this week. Thank you.